I always like to let you know a little bit about who I am. And uh, our service titles is titled Submit and Resist. And I was thinking about resist. I was thinking about uh, the campus, uh, campus retreat that I went on a while back. And campus is obviously on a retreat right now. But uh, when I was a sophomore in college, we went to Big Rock Creek Camp. And uh, if you've been there before, you know that there's a bunch of teepees and uh, you sleep outside. And I, I actually went there many times and LB was one of the guys doing belly flops there years ago. That wasn't this time. But uh, we went there and we had a great campus retreat. But the one thing they had a problem was with bears. And they had one guy there and he ran the camp and his name is Mr. Bill. And Mr. Bill had all white hair. He was in his 70s and uh, shorts up to here and uh, was really excited, uh, really energetic. And when it came to bears, he loved giving the spiel, uh, spiel, right? And he said, if you come in contact with the bear, you put your hands up and say, go away, bear. And his voice kind of sounded like that, which was strange. But he said it over and over again. So every time I was just like, I loved hearing it because it was, uh, it was kind of funny. And ridiculous, but um, I don't. He- I didn't remember too much of other things that he was saying. But I remember that it was just stuck in my head. Go away, bear. Go away, bear. And uh, you know, we didn't really pay attention to the other things, like I said. So we get to the camp, and you know, we we're doing things that you shouldn't have done, like food in the teepees, you know, food in the cabins, didn't lock your door. Uh, we we're doing all the dumb things that campus students at the time usually do, and we heard from some of the girls down below that there was a bear. And so my, my buddy John and I, who was my mentor at the time, uh, he said, let's go check it out. Because we had the smart idea of putting all the food in one cabin. And there was the only cabin that didn't have a lock on the door. And so we walked over to, uh, to the site, and uh, the door was open. And, you know, then we started, you know, started walking slower as we get to the door and, and pokes out. Uh, that the bear head pokes out and it looks at us and we stop and we had the choice. Okay, what are we going to do? Comes out on the porch, dead eyes us. And we looked at each other. Go away, bear! <laughs> and uh, the whole time I'm, I'm like almost going back. I'm holding my ground, hands up, looking at John. And uh, the bear took a step forward, and then ran up the hill and totally ran up the mountain and was away. And my heart just, you know, dropped. <sighs> because I felt like I was going to get eaten, you know, at that moment. Um, but it was, it was a moment in time that I, I look back on. It was a bonding moment between John and I. But it was also a time where I, was, it was, I had to make a choice to, to stand up, stand my ground, and uh, really face the situation. And we all have those times, maybe not with the bear, right? But we have different times in our lives where we get to that moment and we may have to decide, are we going to resist or are you just going to fall into this? Am I going to resist this or am I going to give in? And that's where I want us to pick up here, James chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, I resisted the bear, and he fled from me, luckily. Thank God. 
Um, but there's a couple aspects that I want to draw from my story and from this, this passage here. And the first is, you know, I, as well as John and the rest of the people there, we made the mistake of letting the bear in the camp. We did not take the proper precautions that we needed to to make sure he was outside of the camp. You know, the whole thing of, you know, keeping the food outside, keeping the food, you know, locking your doors, uh, not using the restroom near the teepees. We did all the bad things that you're supposed to not do. But we let the bear in the camp. And that was on us. Because there was no bears inside the camp. When Mr. Bill was there, bears were around, but they weren't getting in the camp. But then when we came along, we did all the things that we weren't supposed to do. And we relate this to sin. Don't we do this? Don't we let Satan, the devil, into our home, into our TV, to our phone, into our world, into our mind, into our hearts? Don't we let the devil come into those areas? We leave windows, we leave doors unlocked, and he just walks right in. And then we question, oh my gosh, there's a bear in here. Well, yeah, you allowed him in. We've allowed Satan into these areas of our lives. Turn with me. We're going to stick in James for the majority of our service here. James chapter 1, verse 13. says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. There's a progression here. Sin starts out small, and it gives, it's, it's conceived, right? There's a desire, then it's sin and then when sin is full grown it gives birth to death you know for us in that situation with the bear it didn't start like the bear was just there no, it started really small right i mean we came into the camp he probably the bear was somewhere and kind of with of us and our food and then we didn't keep him out and therefore we brought him into the camp and for us it's the same way your marriage is not on the rocks because all of a sudden it just happened. No. There was a little thing that led to a bigger thing and then to a much greater thing. Sin is the same way in our hearts. We let the little things, we let them in, into our minds, into our souls, and into our lives. Are you today resisting the devil? Are you shutting the devil out of your life? Are you closing off those windows, those access points? Are you just letting him in? Hey, you know what? Have a walk around. Look around. See what you like. We wouldn't do that with our children, right? We heard there was a bear coming around our house. Man, those doors would be locked. We'd be ready. But you know, we do that with sin all the time. That's the first aspect. We let devil into our lives. Second is, I could have hurt people. I couldn't just hurt myself, but I could have hurt others. You know, there's a lot of other people 
in that camp at that time. It wasn't just our campus ministry that had the camp. It was other people as well. And to relate that to sin, our sin, when we're in sin, it blinds us from seeing the hurt it has on other people. Doesn't it? I mean, the people, and then it's not just people out there that we hurt, right? No, it's the people closest to us. It's our spouse. It's our children. Children, it's your parents. It's our family. It's our friends. We always hurt those people that we love, don't we? James chapter 3 and verse 3 reads, When we put bits into our mouths of horses, sorry, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. That's just talking about the tongue. I mean, think about the things that you've said. That you regret. I mean, some things that just come out of your mouth and you wish you could take back. I'm not sure if you're thinking about something specific right now, but it's probably that. Think about the walls that you've created, the divides amongst people because of what you've said. Maybe it's not what you've said, but maybe it's what your thumbs have said. Right? Don't we text things a lot? We're a lot more bold when we don't have to say it up front, right? Maybe it's an email, maybe it's a status update or whatever, but we've hurt a lot of people because of what we put out there. And we were oblivious to how it hurts people. Sometimes we're, we're, we, we know it and we'll apologize later, but that's only sometimes. And that's just the tongue. Think about the other sin that we've allowed to hurt other people. Allowed into the camp, allowed him to roam, and now he controls, and he's going to go on devouring. This is what Satan wants to do. It's war. And he's got your number. That's the second. The third aspect is I had people in my life, luckily, to help me out of this situation. Amen? I had Mr. Bill, and I had John. Now, Mr. Bill, to me, was an older guy who was a bear expert. He was funny looking, but... He was the expert on the situation, and he was an expert at how to get out of the situation. And luckily, I remembered the go-away bear. If nothing else from him, I learned that. And you know what? It saved me. It saved a lot of other people probably too. Now, who's the Mr. Bill in your life? The spiritual Mr. Bill. Do you have someone that's older, more experienced, who's helping you out? With sin. They're an expert at dealing with sin. Who is that person in your life? Do you have them? Not for me, it's Ron. He's Mr. Bill. He looks much better than Mr. Bill, though. You know, and certain things he says are in my brain. That when I get into a situation, I have a choice to make. I'm either going to resist or go with it. And luckily, I have someone like him, like Ron, in my life that I turn to consistently to get advice, to get input on how to deal with my life and situations I'm, I'm involved in. Ask yourself, do you have that? 
Or are you just on your own? Lone Ranger, you know, I got this. This is, you know, I, I can deal with this. It's only a bear. No big deal. We have bears of situations, right? We have huge conflicts, huge things going on in our lives right now. Who's the Mr. Bill? Who's helping you out? Who's giving you guidance in your marriage? Who's giving you guidance with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your school, with college? Who is it? Or just by herself? The second person was John. Now, John is different from Mr. Bill. He was more of a peer in that situation. He was my mentor at the time, but he was more of my peer because he was going through the exact same thing I was. Every step of the way, we're in line with each other. And if I put my hands up, he had his hands up. And, and you know, I was really scared because I was afraid that John was going to take off and run. And I, I, I tell you, I was scared because John is much faster than me. And, you know, if he turned, I was dead. So I was hoping that he would stay just because I'd get more, more, more time, right? And uh, luckily he didn't, right? I looked at him, and I, I was looking at his feet, too, to see if he was going to take a step back. I don't know what I've done. But spiritually, do you have a John in your life? Now, this is someone more of a peer who would help you out and is going through the same situation or something like it. And I'm not talking about a friend that just, you know, you get together and you share sin stories. You know, like, oh, you did that this week? Oh, man. <sighs> Me too. <laughs> Dang, you know, we're sinners. That's who we are, right? Man. <sighs> no, no, it's someone who's actually going to help you. Okay, Proverbs chapter 27, you don't have to turn there. Verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do you have someone who's sharpening you, who's getting you ready, who's calling you out and making sure you stand your ground? Or do you just have friends that tell you what you want to hear? I like those friends. I have those friends. They make me feel good. I love them. But you know what? I need a John in my life. I need guys like Robbie. You know, when we get together, yeah, we have good times and we, we, we talk about things and we laugh a lot, send pictures to each other. Real funny stuff. But I don't need that all the time. I need someone who's going to calm me out, someone who's going to challenge me, someone who's going to stand with me step for step and drive it out. I resisted that bear that day, but it's not just that. It's resisting God. It's resisting Satan. It's resisting the devil constantly in our life. Do you have someone like a John? like a Robbie, who is a peer, who's going to help you stick in it and get out of the flames? Do you have someone like that? You know, when I think of resistance, I also think of diet, okay? Uh, now, I'm not on a diet, but I like to watch what I eat. And uh, uh, diets, uh, diets are horrible, honestly, okay? They're just bad. I'll just be honest, okay? I hate diets, and... Uh, because they, you, you have to say no to certain things. That's the whole point of a diet, right? You see something, and you say no. Ugh. Right? And so yesterday I was helping out with uh, the Munoz's move, and uh, they graciously brought a lot of donuts to the moving part. I don't know. Yes. You know, it's a common thing people do, right? Here, here's donuts. Uh, and I was saying no. I resisted those donuts. 
for a while. I mean, I was going inside, in and out of the house, back and forth, and I looked every time inside the house, moving stuff. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Come on, eat a banana. I had one, and then, you know, several more times inside out, and I had to do it. I broke down. I had three donut holes and half a donut, and it was delicious. It was so good. But it bro- I broke down, right? I mean, that, because I have a sweet tooth. I mean, that's me, okay? I have a sweet tooth for, for those things. Even though it was sitting out there for a while, I didn't care. It could be old. It can be cold. I, I was delicious, especially when you're in a move. But you see, Satan knows our sweet tooth for sin. He knows what's going to get you. It might, might be different for some people. You might see the donut and say, no, never. I would never have that. But something else is going to get you. With sin, it's the same way. Maybe for someone, it's greed. You know, give them a whole lot of money, and they're just going to totally destroy their lives. You look at them, oh, I'm, at least I'm not like them. But for you, it's something else. What is it? What's your sweet tooth for sin? What do you like? What is it hard for you to resist? Everyone has it. And you know, the thing with Satan is that he knows he's going to continue to go back to that spot. You might be able to be great at resisting other things, but Satan, you see how he works? He he only wants the easy path in your heart, the easy path in your life. Now, if you set up some blockades, some barriers, and you shut Satan out in one area, awesome. He's not done yet. He's going to look, he's going to search to find another opening in your life. Are you resisting the devil this morning? It's a promise, though. If you resist him, he will flee from you. And it's awesome when you do that. Are you doing that this morning? Question yourself. It is a promise that God has for us. Now we're going to talk about submit. We kind of did a reverse order here today. So James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, when I think of submit yourselves, I think of fighting. Okay, I grew up with two brothers and uh, we fought all the time. My parents always got mad at us, like, just play with your toys. And they're like, no, we're going to fight. <laughs> and uh, my, my younger brother and I, we fought often. He was a year and a half younger than me. And I have an o- older brother who is nine years older than me. So really, fighting my little brother was a big challenge. But I wanted to fight the big guy. Okay? Nine years older, that was a huge difference. And I picked fights with him all the time because I wanted to prove myself. And we would fight to the point of submission where you have to tap out or you get knocked out. Okay. Uh, luckily, my brother had a lot of grace on me, but so I pick fights with him all the time. And I remember I was ten years old. I remember it was like it was yesterday. Okay, uh, I got my brother. His name is Jesse. I got him into a chokehold, and I it was the first good one that I ever got. And I I was not letting go for anything. He, he was trying to slam me on the floor. I was not letting go. And I got to the point where he started turning colors a little bit, you know. And I was like, okay, here it comes. You've got to hold on because I don't want to let go. So I held on, and I was like, you tap, you tap. And he finally tapped out. And I was like, yes, 
Woo! I'm 10 years old. You're 19. That's right. Ah. And I've never fought him since. You know why? Because I only needed one. That was it. You know, that was my whole goal in life at that time. I just beat my brother and I got him, you know, and that's it. But I made him tap out, right? I made him submit. I made him, uh, you know, say uncle or whatever. That's what we used to say to you. Now, let's think about that as we read. Let's start in verse four, chapter four, verse four. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or don't you think, or do you think, Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Don't be on the opposite side of God. You want to be on God's team. When you're on opposition, when you're in contention with God, he's going to win every single time. And you know how we used to fight? It said you tap out or get knocked out. God has that same mentality. Hey, you know what? You better tap out here before you get knocked out. God doesn't want to do that. He wants you to submit. Submission is just giving up everything. It's giving up your right. It's giving up what you think is yours. Everything to God. You know, we have this false sense of what we have or what we own. We think it's ours, don't we? And I was, I was watching my son, and he's, he's going to be two, two years old next month. And I love seeing the parallel between me and him and, and my relationship with God. And he's into the stage right now. He's toddler stage. Man, it's taxing. But uh, if you've been there, you know what I mean? He's in the mine. Mine, 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 mine. Everything is mine. Ugh. And, you know, it's just like every, anything. He just picks up a piece of paper and he's mine. He's possessive. And uh, it's annoying to me. Sometimes I just take it away just to say, you know what, this is, this is daddy's. Or, or I just play with it a little bit. He has this little teddy bear. And I'm like, oh, daddy's turn. And, you know, I cuddle with the teddy bear and then I give it back to him. And the whole time he's, like, struggling. Like, it's mine. Give it back. Give it back. But as soon as I pick up something else, he wants that because that's his, right? And we do this with our stuff, with our things. We think we own it. At any time, I could just take it away from Jake and say, this is mine. It's not yours. This is daddy's. And God's the same way. You think, oh, this is my family. This is, this is my job. These are my cars. These are my things. God can just say, no, I reserve the right to take it back. We have to submit everything to God. All our materials, all our relationships, our jobs, our paychecks, our cars, our children, our spouse, everything to God. You know, and it doesn't just stop there. It's also giving him everything in our mind. Meaning there's certain things that obviously we don't possess, but we have them in our brain. There's certain things like worry, anxiety, the future. What's going on in the future? And we have to give those things to God as well. And those things are hard. It's hard to identify with those. No one can see those things but you. No one's thinking those things but you. 
giving those things over to God as well. And it's stuff in our heart as well. The anger. Maybe the bitterness. You see somebody and you're like, I remember that guy. You're bitter. You're angry. You're upset. The pain that you might have experienced years ago. Maybe it's the regrets that you've had that are still in your heart. Maybe it's the hatred. It's giving up everything. Submission is hard because as soon as you tap, that's it. It's the other person's. Now, I never have to go to my brother and fight him again because I already did it. Did it once. God is saying, just give it over to me. Just give it over. Everything. And you know what? With, with this, it's a lot harder because you have to do it often. You don't just do it once. You know, the day of your baptism, you said, Jesus is Lord. And that's awesome. That's great. But you have to say, Jesus is Lord every day. To everything. Jesus is Lord of my bank account. Jesus is Lord of my body, of my health. He's Lord of my wife. He's Lord of my house. He's Lord of where I'm going to live. Everything he's Lord of. It's a daily commitment to God. You know, for me, just like resistance, submission is hard too. For, for me, it's hard to submit anxiety. Now, I'm the type of person, and I'm not sure if you struggle with anxiety, but there's certain situations that get me particularly more anxious than others. And it's when it involves uh, talking to people that I don't know uh, about certain things I don't want to talk about. For instance, we go out to dinner, and my wife uh, usually orders dinner for us because I just, I don't really care, and I just kind of submit my authority to the, you know, the right, the right to choose my food to, to my wife. And uh, if something comes back and it's undercooked or overcooked or something else is on the plate, even if there's like a hair, I don't care. I will power through that because I do not want to talk to the waiter. I have severe anxiety when it comes to that stuff. I would just eat whatever's on the plate. Okay. I'm not sure if that's like you. I also get anxiety when, uh, when it comes to when people try to sell me things. I hate it. Please do not do do not come up to me afterwards, okay? And try to sell me something. I hate it. Uh, and you know, the other day my wife, she said, "Hey, babe, can I, we have somebody come over?" And she was in the middle of talking while this guy comes behind her and presents this display of meat that he's trying to sell. It's kind of like a ho- Omaha steak kind of thing. And uh, the whole time I was thinking, "Why would you do this, honey?" Like. I'm, I'm so nervous, and every time the guy was asking her about the meat, uh, she would look at me as the, the deciding factor, and I was like, I hate this situation. And he said, oh, there's $300, now I'm lowered to $100, and I'm like, ah, I don't want to be here. I don't want your meat. I don't want the beef. I ended up buying $40 worth of beef that day. Uh, so I'm a sucker for that stuff, but... uh. I hated the entire situation. I went up, I closed the door, and I just I was like, okay, I'm so angry, and I'm so stressed out over this situation. And I was angry at my wife for bringing this guy over and talking about stuff. And I'd take a deep breath, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to stay mad at my wife. I wanted to get angry at the beef guy. I wanted to be angry at myself because I spent 40 bucks. How stupid. But I said, you know what? 
I've got to submit this situation over to God. You know, for you, it's probably not the beef guy that's giving you anxiety. For you, it's something else. Maybe it's a car payment. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's friends. Whatever it is, submit it to God. He wants it. He, he desperately is like, please give it to me. I want it. I don't want you to have to do that. And you know what? After I submitted the whole beef guy situation, I felt great. Took some long, deep breaths, prayed about it, forgave my wife, forgave myself. She's great. She, and I talked to her later, and she said, I did not know that guy was coming up behind me. So, I, you know, I love you, babe. Let's read James chapter 4. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, come near to God, and he will come near to you. There's a relationship that God wants. He says, come to me, and I'll come to you. You take a step toward me, I want to take a step toward you. This is a relationship with God. Don't oppose him. Come closer to him. He wants that. He wants that for you. He wants that for me. He wants that for our children, for Santa Clarita. He wants this relationship. He desperately wants it. But it requires you to submit to him and resist the devil. Think about your life. Think about your family. What would it look like if everybody in your family did this? Wouldn't that be sweet? Stress-free living, right? It's a great relationship with people that you might have contention with. Forgiving those people of certain things that are still in your heart. Submitting to God. That would be awesome. What would our church look like? What would the relationships in here look like? I want you to dream with me a little bit. Think about those things. Because, you know, with God, his plan is he's laying it out. Submit and resist, and I can have a great relationship with you. Now, if you don't have that right now, he wants it. God desperately wants a relationship with you. And if you, even if you do have a relationship with God, he wants it to be even closer. God has a great plan for us in our lives. Let's put these things into practice today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. Amen.